How's the trunk space? What do you want? I want to nail the bastard. For who? For all of the girls he killed. I want to nail the bastard too. Difference is, I'm doing it for me. It's little things, Jimmy. So the first time I watched this movie, because I watched, well, I watched it all the way through and then I watched it again in my part for the notes. And the first time I watched it, I was just like pretty sure that it wasn't Jared Leto that I was looking at the whole time. I was like, am I like still waiting for him to show up or is that actually him? Okay, never mind, Tyler. Never mind. I said, show him the cardioid and the omni option. Oh, okay. Wait, let me stop this. Wait, that comes with the option? I thought you were making a joke about his two microphones. No, no, it comes with the option. So this is the other option. Holy shit. How does it come with... And I this is this that. option. I, I like the lights underneath of it, too. Is this... is Does it sound noticeably different? Between... Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. And the this is the good I'm... one. Yes. It's the one okay. you want for podcasting, but and the like, other one... Uh, if you guys ever notice, it's this one. Tell me, because I cannot tell the difference in those two colors. I can... I will... T- blue, wait, you can't see blue and green? No! Are you, I, are you colorblind? I can't see any colors that are close to each other. I can't. I can't tell the difference between like brown and purple and black and like you, like dark colors. I can't put yeah. red and orange next to each other. To me, they're gonna look the same. I mean, like if they're similar enough, but red and orange, you can have are like a bright retarded? red and a bright orange. What? Well, okay, dark purple, dark black, that. and dark brown. I have colorblind so, eyes. It's with, not with that the, I'm stupid. With the dress, with the golden white dress. It was blue and black, but okay. I blue saw and blue and black at first and then I now only see black and gold or white and gold. How do you yeah, see white and gold in that? That's what I Easy, see. Easy, because it's white and gold. It's not white and gold. Yes, it's it is. blue and black. I did, I did see blue and black when it first came up and I didn't know that other people were seeing it as white and gold. And then one day I was just looking at it and then all of a sudden it changed, in, it changed into white and gold and I was like, holy shit. And then I went online and I saw there was this massive debate debate about white and gold, blue and black. And I thought I was just going in completely. Yeah, I'm sorry. I see white and gold. It has its own Wikipedia page. The dress has a Wikipedia page. How fucking stupid. Mac, are you looking up the dress now? I was reading an article about it, yeah. It's actually kind of interesting. Can you hear that? I I hear clicking. You don't hear the vacuum upstairs? Well, why did I just get closer to the laptop? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately jerked to the laptop. Your ear, bro. <laughs> Grab a beer. And I said, I didn't think he'd drink that, that many beers off the... Mike, you drink beer? I drink beer. Since mm-hmm. when? That's what I'm saying. I didn't know that either. I've always drank beer. I I'm really just not did a not know that. Drinker anymore. But no, but I, I didn't had... even know you. Okay, that's not had, like an occasional stressed. one. When he was stressed, I thought you just drink. That's true. When I'm very stressed, I drink. Yeah, he and drank I've... four beers in under five minutes. I swear to God. 
Oh, when we were hanging out. <laughs> no, no, no. When it was like you were in a stressed situation before you moved to Colorado. Oh. With your apartment and something happened with that. And you was uh, like, well, fuck this. I'm just going to drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's a lot of yeast. You're <laughs> How are you not full, bro? You should feel full. I was full. Have you but, seen uh, Mike? I pissed it out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Look at not He recently. doesn't get full. <laughs> I've got the beer gut of Jared Leto. No, it's much larger. Much, much yeah, larger. You're right. Is it Leto or Lito? Now I don't know. It's Jared no. Leto. Compare yourself this one I know for a fact. Jared Leto, okay? Raheem Malik, I may have been wrong on. <laughs> you got ready? Jared Leto. Leto. Find it on Jared YouTube. Leto. It's gotta be. I got it on YouTube. Jared Leto. Okay. Wait, Jared. wait. I'm Jared gonna. Leto. Why Jared is it in Leto. Indian? <laughs> Do not make fun of the Jared Leto. No, Jared like the Leto. last person I want to teach me how to say something is someone who has a thick ass accent. <laughs> but why, seriously? Why would I want to hear Jared Leto? You know how many people they teach American to American? You know how many people they teach American to out there? I speak American because this teach is American. English to a lot of Indian people out there. So they no, no, that's actually the, the primary con- uh, language of the country. Don't tell me what it is, you fucker. But my, my point is, Jared Leto is an American name. I yeah. want to hear an American. I would prefer to hear him say it. I don't want, hello, I'm going to teach you how well, to say words in languages that I know. I'm That's sure there's fair. tons of YouTube if videos you out there that, hear, of him saying his name. If you wanted to hear like an Indian word, you'd want to hear it from somebody with an Indian accent for sure. Exactly. In a world where one man on Reddit said, Fuck you, Wall Street. In China said, Independence means war. You have three best friends still providing you your weekly entertainment. <laughs> What was that? Take two. In a world. <laughs> In a world. Where one man on Reddit said, Fuck you, Wall Street. In China said, Independence means war. You have three best friends still providing you your weekly entertainment. Today. <laughs> God. Okay. Fuck. Come on, little mitt. Get in the zone. Get in the zone. I can't even fucking stop smiling because I'm so fucking high. Okay, focus, focus, focus. Death. Uh, poverty. Uh, murder. Okay. In a world where one man on Reddit said, Fuck you, Wall Street. In China, said independence means war. You have three best friends still providing you your weekly entertainment. Today we discuss the little things. Not like little things, like real little <laughs> things like your dick. But the movie. <laughs> you fucking string them together, dude. I'm never gonna be able to do this. Listen, he kept fucking it up. So I did it. You 
you guys know it. But what we discuss is you little things. Bum, bum. Sponsor time! Give me the sponsors! What do you want? What's the sponsors? I give you the sponsors now! Preparing to mute. Your sponsors today are Lona Gaming. Follow him on Facebook at facebook.com backslash loner gaming. Also check out his store, lonerstore.com. Use the discount code NERDOUT for 20% off. Also, give our artist a follow on Instagram at v.artist. That's A-R-D-E-S-T. Also, Mike's mom is an angel. Enjoy the podcast. All I could think of was Tezande. Chocolate rain. Chocolate rain. A baby Some born without you for the sin. Chocolate rain. <laughs> <laughs> that was like YouTube's prime years right there. Also, if you like camaraderie and video games, go ahead and give our bully a follow on Twitch. It's Tains. T-A-I-I. N Z Z, kind of like pains, but not really pains. You know, like some some people like pain in bed is all I'm saying. But but it's like that. But pains, pains, pains. Your hosts today are myself, Dark Saber, <laughs> Gotti, aka Tyler. I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of peak time. My name is Mitch Mac Paddywhack, and I'm terrified of spiders. Spiders! They want me to tap dance. I don't want to tap dance. My name is Mike, and I am the chosen one. You are the chosen one! Somebody get that sexy ass music going. You can do that one too? Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, kid. <laughs> Wait, what's the one where he leaves Chris all those messages? He's like, you're really starting to piss me off. you really starting to... <laughs> <laughs> you, you pigless some bitch. You're really starting to piss me off. Hey, just wondering where that mostly on paper boy is. Alright, listen here. Look, I'm sorry about the last message. Just really want to know where y'all are. Oh, I don't know. get Wait, your him... fat space ass back here. Him as old Ben was the greatest decision. Ignites <laughs> <laughs> the lightsaber. Chris comes around. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you came just in time. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Synopsis? Jesse, come grab me a synopsis for this young man here. Jesse. Synopsis, we will do. Synopsis, we will do. Movie, <laughs> we will discuss. Fun, it will be. Come grab my synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I that's that. it. I'm done. This is the beginning 
of the plot. We open to a car driving on the freeway. Synapses. With... Preparing to mute. We don't need a fucking execution. <laughs> <laughs> Just having those back <laughs> We don't need the fucking execution. We, do it. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we don't need to know that you're preparing to mute. We open to a car driving on the freeway with the title Card. We open to a car driving in the freeway. In the freeway. On the freeway. Son of a bitch. Uh, you are an actual human being that lives in the real world. So talk like one. Fuck. Ah, Mac. Not a walking trailer, okay? I am a walking trailer. No, you're a, a fucking walking beanbag. We open to a car driving on the freeway with the title card, October 1990. Uh, and there's this blonde chick singing some blonde chick, white bitch basic song. Uh, and, uh, go ahead, Mac, do you know the song? Making my way downtown. I'm about to get killed. Who's chasing me? It's Jared Leto. All right. And uh, as she's driving, singing her basic white bitch song, uh, this car starts hauling ass right on top of her. And it uh, flies. It doesn't fly around her. It, It drives to the side of her, gives this creepy vibe off, and then takes off. And then stops in the middle of the road. And then she speeds off around him. She gets to this fucking empty or closed down gas station that's clearly been shut down for the night. And she starts bashing on all the doors like, bitch, one's closed. Get back to your car. You're being chased. You're going to die either way. Get back to your car. God damn it. That part pissed me off. She's yeah. Like, help it's me. like, help me. It's like, once you can't get in, get back in your car. Nobody's coming to you. She knocks on every fucking door and goes to the garage. Like, bitch, if the main bullet built, no, I'm done. I, I I agree. I had qualms with what she did, but I also appreciate that she was panicking, and you don't think clearly when you're panicking. Yeah, you're right, yeah. And uh, we get, as she's, like, panning all the doors, panicking, we get this uh, clip of the killer grabbing his tools. She rejected me. Tools! Tools! Duct tape, zip ties, and gloves! I have to have my tools! Fetish! Fetish shit! I, I, I like to bind! And thus ensues a foot chase in the desert. And she, uh, she waves down this 18-wheeler, which I was really hoping it would just splatter her all over the place. Dude, she got in front of it. And I was like, nobody appreciates the fact that those things can't stop on a dime. Like, it takes them a little bit to stop. So she's, like, getting in front of it and gets on her knees. I was like, I would love to see that dude, like, cut inside the truck. And he's like, fuck, 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 fuck. She waves down the 18-wheeler, stops, and bam, title card. We get the little things. All right, so we cut to Denzel. And uh, Denzel is Deacon. So uh, I do say Denzel for a little bit here, but then I eventually do write Deacon down. But um, Denzel's looking at this blood and glass mix combo. I think there was blood on it. There was blood on it, yeah. And he's listening to this restaurant owner bitch about his sign. And at first I was, I was like, ah, oh, it's just another male Karen. But he's bitching because his restaurant's on the freeway and his restaurant's name's 
Black Angus, and they knocked out the <laughs> out the G, so it says Black Anus. And then Deacon goes, it's definitely not a happy meal or something. <laughs> Just nicely placed humor. I appreciated little things like that. We get in a, a new shot of Denzel uh, at his police station. And his captain stops him in the hallway. And uh, he's like, listen, you got to go to L.A. You need to get these blood-stained boots. Um, we've got this criminal action going on. And we need the witness to identify the the bloodstained boots so you know denzel does not want to go and uh, we don't understand why like he just really doesn't want to go cut to uh denzel at home and uh, his homeless puppy comes around and it made me laugh because i was like hey it's just like mac and uh poppins when poppins comes around randomly poppins hey buddy and thus starts denzel's trip to la to la Alive. Alive. The next scene we get is Denzel runs into the, the his well, we don't know this yet, but he runs into the police station, which is his old station. Gets to the evidence room and he's like, hey, I'm here for the bloody boots. And the chick goes to grab him. And as she does that, he glimpses at this bloody dress, which there were, there were, <laughs> I'm going to do it again. There were little things in this movie that would make me think I was going to need to write it down. <laughs> This never comes back into play other than, like, his PTSD with dead young women. He is denied the bloody boots, basically. Uh, they're like, yeah, it's going to be, a, like, a day. And he's like, oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. All right. He, <laughs> he, he's like, you know, all right, motherfucker. And he walks out. And his car's getting towed by Rami. I'm just going to say Rami Malik plays Jim so I can stop saying Rami because I'm getting it wrong. So Jim, uh, Deacon looks at Jim, and Jim's like, hey, you were you were blocking me in. So uh, he goes, what, you couldn't have called? He walks into the station, and we find out this is his old station, and him and the captain do not get along at all, or him and the other detective. Really, anybody in that station, no one really likes him, except Sal. The captain basically wants him the fuck out of L.A. So anyway, so <clears throat> right before Deacon goes to head out, Sal, his buddy, stops him, Go on, let me get you a cup of coffee. You like a cup of coffee? Come on, what's one cup of coffee? And Deacon's like, All right, dog. <laughs> I was too white to say all right, dog. He said <laughs> perfect pronunciation. He's like, I'm too white to say all right, dog. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, pal. That's when Jim uh, meets up. I, I I didn't write this guy's name down because he wasn't very important to the plot. He's been in, He's in like three scenes, but... He talks to his buddy, and he's like, hey, who's uh, who's Sal talking to? And he goes, oh, that's Joe Deacon. And he goes, no shit. And uh, <clears throat> that's when we find out the Joe Deacon is infamous at this station other than just being hated. He's hated for a reason. We just don't know why. Deacon and Sal are, are at the get a cup of coffee. They're getting coffee. So uh, that's when Jim, Jimbo. Jim, James, Jimothy. Are you okay with being called Jim? He walks in and he basically tells Sal that there's this case. But anyways, he invites Deacon. We cut to the new crime scene. And uh, Jim, Deacon, and Sal start talking cop talk at the scene. I did not write it down because there was a lot of cop talk. Anyways, watch the movie to get the cop talk. And they go inside the, the, the crime scene. And this part made me laugh. <laughs> so you know it's, it's stanky. So before they went in, guys in hazmat suits were going in. And Sal starts rubbing... Um, 
he says, and I quote, anyone want some menthol? And he's rubbing it all over his nose. And as they get to the door, the hazmat guy walks out with a suit and he says, I quote, everyone eat. And we go inside and um, Jim tells everybody noise, light, discipline. And he turns on a blue light or a black light. And you could see this place is just splattered with blood or semen. We don't know yet. It could be a lot of semen. It's not. It's blood. That scene was intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, Jimmy's just like walking through. He's like, stab wound here. Like, I love his voice. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. I, laughed, I laughed out loud when the power came back on and scared everybody. And that's when we see the blood is everywhere. There's blood soaked in the blood. Like, there's that much blood in this. I didn't even know a human body could bleed that much. And so, that's... Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say some really fucked up shit and then decided not to. <laughs> I mean, you've seen it. I, the only dead bodies I've seen have been bled out. You can out, ask so. my wife how much she bleeds every month. It's quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I said that just to see your guys' reaction. <laughs> I was actually going to say, uh, yeah, Mike, you wouldn't know because you don't see that the way you've seen bodies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm getting a little morbid here. Uh, it's we, the little things that you remember about the dead bodies you've seen. It's the little <laughs> And uh, anyways, they start talking and they find out that the killer came through the exact same area that the cops have been walking into so like crime scenes basically destroyed at this point and jim loses his shit on the cop that secured the place and um the coroner comes in and we find out that the body has been there for about two to three days and everything in the fridge is rotten except for a thing of milk which explains all the smells and the fridge was broken so then Deacon starts doing some monk-type shit. And this is when I wrote it down, because I really noticed he's doing some monk-type shit. Like Max said, he's, he's using his hands. He's, he's like, how he looks at it. If you've seen Monk, you know what he's doing. Anyways, he figures out that from across the street, there's this perfect little window you can see this chick's apartment in. We get a scene of him walking into this building and into this room adjacent from the victim's building. And he finds this chair covered in cobwebs. And this empty room with just a bed and that chair. And it has a perfect view of the victim's place. And he was there for a while. And uh, we find out why the body was moved after death. Because they know they mentioned, like, why was the body moved after, after death. And it's so the killer could appreciate his work of art. So he was sitting, noticing, and just appreciating it. Uh really fucked up. He was up. appreciating the little things. Then we get like this we start to get uh, Deacon's flashbacks from a uh, past crime. It's these two girls that were leaned up against a rock and basically um, put in a certain position like this girl was and we're getting those cuts back and forth and Deacon gives this face that I can only assume he was getting in the mindset of the killer to figure out what he was thinking because he, I mean, this guy's monk. Like he's a genius. He is really smart. We cut to Jim making a list of everything they need to to find this killer. Uh, he talks to his other officer. He's like, "Get me the list of hookers. Give me the list of neighbors, friends, anyone we can. We need to find out shit about this." Blah blah blah. That's when we cut to these two people jogging uh, on the road, and he's like, "Yeah, you want me to run you home?" 
And she goes, no, nah, it's okay. And they split, and this is when we get this really sweet shot of this tan vehicle slowly drive by and follow the jogger up the hill. That's when we get the pan up, and we get the alas skyline as it transitions to daytime in a beautiful transitioning scene. And that's when we get the next morning we see uh, Jim walk by this missing poster of the jogger. And that's when our next scene with Jim, he's walking into the interrogation room with a Frederick Keel, Keeler, Coiler. I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I don't think I am. But he's the, I don't know, if you've ever seen, oh, shit. Hang on. I got to get the movie. Was that a Frank reference? No, 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 no. This is the actual. No, when you said shit. No. You said it just like him. Ah, shit. (laughs) (laughs) The Vaz. So, uh, Frederick Coiler. Cooler. Anyways, most people will know him from, he did um, uh, Pearl Harbor and most most famously Death Race. He was uh, Jason Statham's, that that weird sidekick guy in uh, Jason Statham's team. But he always plays the creepiest character always some pervy guy but he does a fantastic job and of course in this one we find out that he is a sex offender and anyways he's brought into questioning because uh he was pissing with his well he says he was pissing outside the dead woman's apartment but he was seen with his dick out so he's like oh i was pissing and like nah, come on no you weren't hang on mike i want to say something because i heard you yeah. say uh, the guy said he was just taking a piss in an alley and a girl walked by. I actually believe that because that would happen. Like, yep. people get drunk and then pee in alleyways and then accidentally expose themselves. So it's just I mean, that true. guy That guy looked like a creep. Well, he was a sex offender. That was the because, problem. Yeah, because he was taking a leak in an alley and a girl no, walked by. No, but he's a known sex offender. They because... Yeah, he's a sex offender because he was peeing in an alley and a girl saw. Mac is right. Oh, anyways, that guy's name is (laughs) that guy's name is Stan Peters, and him and Stan, Jim and Stan, start having this intense conversation. And to get how intense it is, just watch it. And yeah, I mean, Jim's basically like saying, like, we know you did it. He's trying to be professional, but also trying to get a confession. And that's when Deacon on the other end of the window whispers something, and I didn't write down what he said. But whatever he said meant something to uh, Stan, and Stan stands up and he creeps up to the wind to the to the one way window, and it's basically like he's looking straight into his soul, like Deacon's soul. It's 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 a great scene. We cut to Deacon in the coroner's office, and him in the corner had a thing. You know, hey baby, you know the coroner's like, yeah. It, oh, she ain't. He ain't. She ain't a man. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's like. So, what are you doing in town? And he goes, just you know, a basic follow up. And she goes, basic follow up, huh? And uh, he's like, can you just give me the stuff I need? So she goes off. He has this. He has this really great scene with the dead body, and he just has a one on one conversation with her, and he's like, you know, you you trusted him, you let him in. There was a part of you that said, don't trust him, don't let him in. Like, but there's another part of you that said, you just got to live. 
He's like, if you would have just listened to that part, you'd still be alive. And, um, I mean, there's so many scenes in this movie, I just can't give it justice. You're just going to have to watch it to really get it. And that's... We, our next scene is the coroner and Deacon having lunch. And she's like, I can't ever forget what we did. I keep this as a reminder and hands him this bullet or expanded bullet, which at first looked like when I was writing this, I wrote down it was a bullet that clearly was lodged in a bulletproof vest. We'll find out later if I was right or wrong. And there we get our next scene is... Um, Deacon's at the victim's place, and he's doing some more monk shit, and he starts noticing, like, the, the fridge is broken, and that's when the landlord comes in, and he's, he's they have, like, some jibber-jabber. And anyways, he finds out that the fridge was supposed to be fixed, and then it got canceled because of the dead body, and he gets the name of the fridge company. I didn't write that down at the time, but as my part kept going, I realized that that was probably an important moment to talk about. He kind of starts putting himself in that headspace, uh, and he sits in the chair and he starts looking at the crime scene and all the blood everywhere. And I wrote this line down because it kind of hit me hard, like, to hear this line. And, and I think the other, my, my, my co-hosts will, will get it as well. The apartment manager walks in and she asks him, how do you get used to the smell? And he looks at her and I quote, if you're lucky, you don't. And I thought that was like one of the deepest quotes of the whole movie. Yeah. It was, it was definitely something for people like us to think about like it puts a lot in perspective like most people don't even know that smell and then i wrote down funny moment deacon <laughs> oh yeah it was a funny moment i love this scene there's another quote deacon <laughs> he goes he decides to stay uh, to solve this mystery and he picks this sleazy ass hotel motel hotel hotel in the in the city of Allah, uh, and there's hookers all out front. He gets to the front desk, and he, by the way, keep in mind throughout my entire part up until this point, he has been in his duty uniform, and has not changed in like two days. So, uh, I actually thought about that. I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this guy's been here for two full days, and he's still wearing the same clothes. Like, it was another one of those little things that made me laugh. Anyways, the. Uh, He's talking to the front desk, uh, and the front desk manager goes, and he says, I don't want any trouble. I have nothing to do with them outside, talking about the hookers. And then Deacon tells him now, he's like, I want to stay. And he goes, all right, 2900 a week. 2900 a fucking week to stay at this hotel. And that's when he starts to walk up the stairs, and the hotel manager goes, do you want some company? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> We, uh, our next shot is, um, we get a couple shots of Jim and Deacon's kind of personal lives, which I thought was a nice deep moment that it kind of added. We see Jim's personal life is spending time with his daughters, putting them to bed, being a father, and then he kind of is starting to neglect his wife, and you can see it in her face. We don't, they don't even say he's neglecting his wife. They don't have to, because the acting from all of these actors was so amazing that you could just see it in her face that she is getting neglected and then we get uh, we get back and forth and we get deacon and he's in the hotel laying in the bed with a flashlight just clicking it on and off and, he, and across from the bed is this setup of the pictures of the dead hookers i'm assuming they're hookers because they all had mug shots so they're definitely hookers that's when he starts to see all the dead women in his room this guy has some serious ptsd with dead women and and then we get later on 
the next scene is the next morning, and it's the captain telling Jim that uh, Stan Peters killed himself, blew his head off with a shotgun. And he says, this is, this is what you get when you bring Deacon in on cases. This right here. Oh, and this is when we find out. So the captain tells Jim what the problem is with Deacon and why Deacon was is not where he is anymore. Now he's uh, just sheriff, right? Anyways, but yeah, I think he's with the sheriff's department. I... Oh, he's a deputy. He's a deputy. We find out why now he's a deputy and not a homicide detective. The captain tells Jim that Deacon got moved because he went so hard on this case, which the case of the two women from earlier that we saw flashbacks of, that he got suspended, he got divorced, and had a triple bypass surgery in the span of six months. And that's when we cut to Deacon doing some detective work, and he gets in his truck and he notices the fridge company that was supposed to come fix the chick's fridge. And he walks in and he gets uh, does some more monk detectiving shit, and he gets the list of... Uh, the list of people who I guess was supposed to have their fridge worked on or something. And as he's about to leave, he stops and he looks through like this doorway of all the workers back there. And then he walks away. And as he walked away, that's when we get our first glimpse of Jared Leto, which his name is um, Albert Sparma. And he gives, uh, he gives Deacon this look. And my last note is, uh, Jim is now following up on the missing jogger's parents. Uh, so yeah, we get that next scene is is Jim with those parents because they really wanted to talk to a detective because they're certain that she is obviously in a lot of trouble because she's been missing for a couple days. And he gets in the car and he looks at this picture of the jogger, which comes in, he holds on to throughout this whole movie. And you can see he's starting to get this deacon-like, it, it's starting to affect his his personal life so i start at um deacon stops at a red light in his bronco i know it's not a bronco but i like broncos and you hear the love song playing okay so he sees he sees this corner van and a few cop cars pass in front of him and it's kind of like in the slow motion it's pretty cool and he watches him go and it cuts to a scene kind of underish a bridge where jim is looking at a dead body and he's kind of looks for the red barrette and he pulls out the photo of Martha and compares it, and he's like, it's not her. He looks up, he sees Deacon, and they discuss the crime scene with their potential theories. And this is when Jim asks to tell him about Mary Roberts and informs him that uh, Stan Peters had killed himself last night. Cut to them atop the bridge, looking down at the crime scene lights, and Jimmy mentions that it looks beautiful from afar if you don't know what's going on. Deacon gives Jimmy uh, the list of subjects he gathered from the appliance stores, and Jimmy asks him how a man with his record and reputation worked 15 years without a promotion, and Deacon jokingly says, maybe I didn't go to the right church. They end up discussing their beliefs on God, which kind of matches my perspective on it a little bit, like, how can he let this shit happen, basically is what Jimmy, or not Jimmy, Deacon says. Um, and feel I'm free, guys, because so I can't... i you wrote read. that down. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm so glad you wrote it down because I literally said the same thing in my head and I was like, okay, so Jimmy then starts walking away and says he still owes him breakfast and it cuts to the next morning at Jimmy's house and they're eating breakfast. Deacon, this is when Deacon finally meets Jimmy's family. Um, he has an adorable daughter. They have like, you know, it's pleasantries. Um, this is also when we learn learn that Deacon actually has two daughters who are all grown from his marriage. 
and Jimmy and Deacon agree to work together on the case. Next scene, Deacon ends up going to his ex-wife's house, and without saying explicitly, this is my ex-wife, you can tell just by the body language. Yeah, so it was the little things in the acting here that let you know. Deacon mentions that the lawn and the house look great, and they have like that awkward, I mean, I grew up a child of divorce, so this is very much like that awkward pleasantry, like, yeah, hi. Joe kind of seems off in a way, and she asks him if he's okay, and he shrugs it off and says, oh, you know me, and she's, she says, yeah, I know you. She leaves to go to work, and as he walks away, he fucks up the mulch. <laughs> he just kicks it. <laughs> That's how I picture Tyler being Penny when he. But it's it's it not away. a violent kick. It's a very like he just sweeps it like just to fuck it up. That's me one hundred. Yep. Then we get uh, files getting slammed down on a on a desk. It's three separate files, and Jimmy says, "Who's this?" And it's the file of Mary Roberts and the two other victims found on the same day on the same night by Joe Deacon. Then when Jimmy meets with Joe at a bar. That's hip and then they start comparing notes on the two different cases from the two different areas but this is where deacon describes the killer as a shark who has to keep moving or else he'll die which i thought was an awesome analogy and the reason he says that is because they're talking about um this guy has to constantly be moving so like he's gonna have a lot of miles on his car jimmy asked asks if He's sure that Stan Peters wasn't their boy, and Deacon's like, no, there's no way he was the killer. This is when Joe finally brings Jimmy to the location where the triple murder happened when he was a detective in L.A. So, okay, Joe is talking about the many anomalies that happened that night that made it impossible to get any any evidence. He talks about the busybody woman who is literally standing in her window looking down at them, and he, like, waves to her. She was out... On her first date in 15 years, and she slept over the dude's house that night. Um, the lights in the area didn't work because of like a once in a decade occurrence. And he also said there was no mud or anything because they were in a drought, so there were no footprints. It was like concrete. They get down to the rock, and he explains how the scene was laid out when they arrived. And we, this is when we find out the bodies are still warm, so it literally happened moments before the cops got there, which I am confused about because if it happened right before they got there who who called it in if no one could see it thank you but i think it might have been the killer <clears throat> but that, still. that was the only thing I could yeah it definitely albert jim asked where was the third victim and joe says she was found away from the other two and this is when joe explains how you own the victims of the murders you are investigating and you own them until you do them justice and we get a quote Words of the wise Jimmy stay out of the angel business. Back in Joe's car, they continue to discuss their theories about the case. Two of the appliance guys had a record, but it seems to be a wash. And this is where Jimmy says, it's the little things that are important, Jimmy. It's the little things that'll get you caught. One of the things they discuss, uh, Joe asks him what kind of meat was in this woman's stomach because she was a vegan, meaning the killer forced her to eat it. He says it was roast beef. And that's when he says, why does it matter? It's the little things that are important. And finally, we get Jared Leto coming in to actually speak and act. Joe goes to his apartment and he's looking in his car and he sees very high mileage, which was part of their theory. And this is when uh, Albert comes down and Joe shines a light right in his face so he can't see him. And he asks him, how's the trunk space? Leto says it's, it's standard. 
Um, this is an intense conversation in the scene. I really love it. I, I don't know why it was so intense immediately between these two, but it was so fucking great. Joe takes the trash, takes it back to the hotel. He calls in uh, for a report on Albert Spar- Spara, Sparma. There's a t- slice of pizza, half-eaten slice of pizza in the box, and he brings it to the corner to see if the bites match. It's inconclusive, as is legit every single piece of fucking evidence they get in this, in this uh, movie. Although there are some similarities in the bites. This is when Joe rents a car and begins to stalk Albert. When Joe is stalking Albert, we see him walking into a restaurant with a big roast beef sign, which was that kind of did annoy me because it was really like, look, look, see, get it. Remember, they talked about roast beef and now remember. And you actually get the shot where Deacon is like super pumped to be tailing someone again. Like he has this huge grin on his face. And I I love the, the tailing scenes in this movie, the way they're done and the way they're shot was pretty unique, I feel like. Super good. Compared to most movies. Yeah. He follows Leto to a strip club. It's now night. Sparma's leaving the strip club. He goes to a fast food restaurant and gives the food to some hookers. And Joe mentions they have no clue how lucky they are. And then I wrote, now my favorite scene in this whole movie is when Joe is tailing Sparma. And he pulls over on the side of the road. Joe goes past. He eventually backs up and... Where'd he go? He's on the other side of the freeway, parked on the side, just staring forward. So Joe goes around to that side, and he's not there. He's back on the other side, again, just parked there, staring forward. Could you then, could you imagine, like, that in real life, though? Like That would be fucking crazy. Dude, that, that scene was so fucking good, the though. most terrifying experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second time this happens, Leto pulls out, and Joe is sitting there in his car, and then all of a sudden, Leto comes up. From behind him, Joe pulls out his gun and gets ready to, like, basically, shit's about to go down in his mind. Leto. Pulls up next to him and just stares at him. Joe rolls down his window and Leto just says, How's the trunk space? It was so good. This whole scene was just Sparma showing to Joe that he is the smartest person in the room, so to speak. I fucking loved it. Sparma takes off and phone ringing. Jimmy answers the phone and it's Joe asking where a body was found and confirms that the location where the body was found was never given to the press. The reason he's asking is because the nearest mile marker where they found the body is the exact one that Joe is at, meaning Sparma was toying with Joe with that information that no one really had. So in Joe's mind, Sparma absolutely did it, because how did he know that? Why did he stop there? We also find out that Sparma had a car, a second car that was found abandoned two weeks ago and wasn't reported stolen. They tow it in and find zero evidence in it, but they do say it's a rollback because uh, it's listed at 22,000 miles, and it looks like shit. Jimmy grabs the prints that were found and heads to the lab. The witness from the beginning is sitting in the, the waiting area waiting to be interviewed as people go to arrest Spar, Sparma, and I love it because he literally opens the door for them and says like he's ready to go. Back at the lab, they say that the fingerprint is... Seven markers or identifying markers short of like a legal requirement to arrest somebody. And Jimmy freaks out on the guy because the guy is kind of a dick to Jimmy. He's like, this this guy had uh, 10 of the markers, not 11. Maybe he's, yeah, a, he's a dick. He's, yeah. a, he's a super dick. So Jimmy gets all pissed and he slams the door on his way out and he scares the shit out of the other lab tech in there, which I fucking laughed at. Uh, we hear the witness say she didn't get a good look. Um, 
but she says that he was wearing a gl- wearing glasses and had a hat on. Doesn't think she could ID the guy from photos, and uh, Tom's ex-girlfriend from Parks and Rec detective lets her go pee-pee. And this is when she actually sees Leto come in in cuffs. In the interview interview room, Deacon sets up the room he the way he likes it, and they eventually bring in Sparma. There is an amazing exchange between Jimmy, Sparma, and Deacon. Some fantastic performances in the scene that have to be seen. You have to watch it. Uh, to summarize this whole scene, basically Sparma is such an asshole and talks down to everyone in the room and says he's a crime buff, so he knows all the procedures and shit. He definitely thinks he's the smartest person in the room, and the scene shows how dedicated the two de- detectives are to their work, and it really shows the type of person that Sparma is. Sparma also says that his car was reported stolen and that someone didn't do their homework. This scene builds to Jimmy showing Sparma some photos of the crime scene, and Joe comes in, and Sparma actually gets a boner from them, and Deacon loses his shit on Sparma we're and talk- starts punching we're the wall like 10 full him. inches. And Joe actually says... You're as hard as Chinese arithmetic. Sparma is such a sarcastic asshole here. He's like laughing. He's like, oh, you lost control. And he also holds up the fucking photo of the dead chick. And he's like, 11 more and you can make a calendar. He's like a real dick. We cut to the witness looking through photos of different suspects. And she stops at Sparma and says, maybe if I can get a better look. And Jimmy's like, what do you mean a better look? And she's like, well, you have him here, don't you? I saw you bring him in. Jimmy walks away fucking pissed. And we get the shot of Tom's ex-girlfriend from Parks and Rec. She just has like that, ah, fuck, my bad face. The reason he's so pissed is because she, the witness saw uh, Sparma being brought in in handcuffs. It compromises. You can't have a credible witness once someone has seen someone looking like a criminal. You're going to automatically assume they did it. They literally have nothing on this guy. Uh, the captain is pissed and says the two suspects were weak. And... Jimmy explains he got a hard-on because he was visualizing his crime. We learn that Sparma actually falsely confessed to a murder before and had all the details of the crime but wasn't anywhere near it because he's a crime buff. That is very important. I didn't really hear that the first time I watched it, but Jimmy goes to Deacon's hotel room and sees... He just lets himself in and sees the old case files on the wall and it's like, what the fuck, dude? And Deacon is just sitting in there in the dark drinking... And I wrote, dude's got some fucking demons, and we will learn why shortly. They discuss Sparma and how they have no evidence, but Deacon is sure it's their guy, and they discuss getting Deacon into Sparma's place to find evidence. Jimmy says he wants to nail him for all the girls he's killed, and Deacon says he wants to nail the guy too, but he's doing it for himself. This is when we see Jimmy, he calls uh, Sparma on the payphone and invites him out to a restaurant as, like, it's a trick to get him to get out of his apartment, but he's also saying, like, oh, I'm sorry for the way we treated you. Come meet me. And Sparma actually does leave to go out. And this is where Tyler takes over. So I started at one hour, 20 minutes, and 14 seconds into the film. Jim Baxter is uh, on the payphone. And this is where Mike takes over. <laughs> Uh, he's talking to somebody. Um, he says meet at the boat, I think is what he says. He says meet somewhere. I think it was at the boat. Um, and I said he stares at everything so intently. Like, he, everything he looks at, he looks like he doesn't trust. That's that's his face the whole time. So they're stalking Albert, and I say stalking because they don't have the... Uh, 
authority from the police department or whatever department to um, be following him. Uh, Albert ends up leaving his place and Joe Deacon ends up going into his house. He finds a, a knife with a, a like a broken tip. The police scanner um, goes off, which is kind of part of the whole being a crime buff thing. He likes listening to it live as much as he likes probably knowing about the past, the past ones. Um, this is where Albert is at the bar and he asks for the phone. Fuck, Joe, Joe. I, I'm, I'm going to mix up Joe and Jim a lot. Deacon uh, finds like a hidden compartment under the rug and it says like uh, stuff about the highway killer. Then over the over the scanner, Deacon hears like they're basically going to where he is. And he, he does like this little quiet, like pissed off little thing that just make, made me laugh because <laughs> it's so realistic. That's like a real response. Jim ends up leaving the car um, to follow Albert, find out where he went and what he's up to. They hear Officer Down is what was heard over the radio, and, and they're going to where they are. Deacon is now trying to find a way out because the cops are going to where he's at, and he does not have authority to be searching his place. Yes. I just want to say, when this scene happened, I was like, oh, that's so smart. He called the cops on his own place. And then I went, oh, my God, he fucking said a cop was shot in there. Yeah. What are they going to respond to the fastest? It's, like, it's the little things in this movie. Albert is... Uh, on the crime scene uh, when it's not really a crime scene because it was fake but Albert is there and he waves at Jim and he now knows that they're like stalking him and all that good shit and he <laughs> waves at him like so calmly he just sipping on his Shirley temper like <laughs> hi <laughs> just sipping away like <laughs> it looks like he's having the time of his life the music for this movie is amazing uh, Jim and Joe are having a deep conversation in the car while they're watching Albert again. Albert gets on the bus and goes to the strip club. Jim is pissed that Albert didn't fuck something up. Like, he wants a reason to arrest him, and he's just not getting it. And he punches his window. Uh, the payphone starts I'm ringing. I'm thinking about this now. You made me start thinking about it. There are a million things in the car you could punch that yeah. don't have the no. potential to shatter your, and like cut your hand up like the roof the steering wheel <laughs> the fucking glove box the person next to you jim they end up going back and forth a little bit jim says fuck you and joe's just all all right all right he's <laughs> <laughs> like fuck you okay all right all right you know I'll, denzel all right, all right. All right. i'm denzel all right. Right. Joe goes to the convenience store. The payphone starts ringing. Dun dun dun! It's fucking Albert. He's all, "Hey, ya pal!" Um, this is like the first Jim and Albert confrontation. Albert tells Jim he will take him to the body. Just straight up, I'll I'll take you to her. Why did you say it like that? Uh, to be honest. I was trying to stall to figure out what the fuck I wrote. Oh, <laughs> you say that. <laughs> but also, I really liked that he was calling that payphone, and as he picked it up, 
Like, in my head, I was like, if this was another movie, he would have been shot in the head, and that would have been it. But then Leto goes, bang. That's what I thought was going to happen. Mm -hmm. When the phone was ringing, I was like, dude, if you answer that, you're dead. So they have a confrontation. Jim is all, you know, being a cop. Put your hands on your head. Interlock your fingers. And Albert's all like, do what? Interlock your fingers. Oh, sounds complicated. (laughs) (laughs) He's so petty. I love it. (laughs) Jim gets in the car with Albert. Um, Joe ends up following them. Which I think he waited way too long to to be able to follow them, but he he ends up catching him. He got a late start, dude. It wasn't like he was doing it on purpose. No, but I know. He's I know. Talking about That's like the they took an exit. The highway was forking, and he was like looking at the signs, and I was like, oh shit, he's gonna take the wrong fucking way. And then he just yeah. like got the right way, and then he like took the right exit, and then he went down the right dirt path. Oh, like, totally fuck. forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah he, he did. He was staring them. And then the yeah. one time he fucks up, it's like. Really? You got that far and you're not going right. to... Right. It's like you, like, don't, you don't look at the gate and go, no. maybe. <laughs> right. So Joe's Joe's following. Albert and uh, Jim get to the gate and Jim unlocks it. Albert's kind of like a, a little petty person and starts playing the hot cold game to find the girl's body, whose name is Rhonda. I love those scenes where he's like, he's like, cold, cold, and then he mouths that away and right i was like this is awesome right and then and then he's like martha martha i think it was Rhonda. he says now look down and say hi to Rhonda." i wrote down martha <laughs> albert throws him a, a shovel and basically says like hey if you want the if you want the body up you you dig it bitch jim is all hell nah pulls the gum and says you fucking dig but Albert Albert's smarter than that. He knows that that he ain't gonna get shot in that situation. So so Jimmy starts digging. Joe now drives past the gate, and you're like, oh fuck! Like, come on, guy. Uh, Albert is just straight up messing with Jim, and he's like, oh wait, like this doesn't look familiar. I think it was over here, and has him dig another hole, and another hole, and another hole. I'm tired of this, Grandpa. That's too damn bad. You keep digging. And then Albert saw, I've never killed anyone. And at that point, I was like, wait, fuck, has he? Like, <laughs> like, I was so sure through the whole movie until he said that. And it just made me question everything that's happened in the movie up until that point. So Joe, Joe now finds the entrance. Uh, and this is where Albert saw talking to Jim about having a picture of his family and you can just tell that Jim's getting pissed about it. Um, I thought at this point that Albert was going to go for Jim's gun because like, I felt like the, uh, the camera crew was trying to really show that the gun is sticking out there. And it was right after Albert does the finger guns um, in Jimmy's back. Albert's still talking about Jim's family and this part shocked the fuck out of me because I did not see this movie ending up this way. Jim just bopped Albert's ass with the shovel shovel, and fucking killed him, dude. He bopped him? <laughs> he bopped his it's, ass. He's done. I ain't gonna lie. It is so wild to hear Tyler's perspective on how he wrote the ending because if I had the ending, I would have 
been talking about it way differently. Well, just like how you didn't expect him to kill him, and the entire time they were in the car and they were in the desert, I was like, Jim is the killer the whole time. Like, he's just going to kill this guy. He's going to be like, I know you weren't the killer, and then, bam, put him in the grave. Well, that's because you ought, you always try to expect the unexpected. <laughs> Me, I just relax and watch the movie and go with the flow. Yeah. Like I said, the first yeah, 15 minutes of the movie, I wrote Your run so deep that you're, you're <laughs> people, like, see the main character, and you're like, it, no, it's him. Fuck him. I know I, <laughs> I have legit done that, and most, and, and it, well, not most of the time, at least 30% of the time I was right. Like, I knew it was you, motherfucker. Yeah, no, you're right. I have serious trust issues. That leads into my movie watching. Yeah, so Jim, Jim bopped his ass. He peeled his muffin cap back blue. Then you find out, like... Joe, you don't find out. I mean, you guess you you always kind of knew, but you see it happening when Joe shoots that girl in the back um, and kills her. Definitely shot her in the chest. And it wasn't Jim; it was Deacon. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I'd be messing up. I told you I'd be messing up, Jim and Joe. <laughs> yeah. So Joe is he he pulls up and he kind of starts having flashbacks of a time when he killed somebody. And it shows us that Joe killed her and shot her in the chest, not the back. I redact my last statement because he sees Jim sitting there and he recognizes that look and he sees the body laying there. Um, Deacon basically tells him to put Albert in one of those holes, a deep hole, and bury him and he'll be back in a couple of hours. He goes back to Albert's place and bags all of his shit and gives the car away. Um, and, and those people only ended up taking the fucking rims. How fucking stupid is that? Take the whole well, car. Gave they took you the, the doors. They took the doors. So fucking stupid. <laughs> they probably didn't want to be driving around the car they assumed was stolen. He goes back to Jim and Albert's body is still laying there and Jim is like losing his mind in this deep ass hole and then it like pans up and shows you a lot of holes with broken hands and withered souls emancipated from all you know you got to go and dig those holes you got to go and dig those holes so they end up Bearing Albert and uh, Jimmy is getting a talking to from Deacon. Um, and this is where he says, It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that rip you apart. It's the little things that get you caught. Basically, what he's telling him is, forget him. Uh, don't, don't speak his name. Don't talk about him. Don't think about him. Don't tell anybody about him. He's gone. And... As soon as you speak his name again, he's going to climb out that grave and he's going to get you. He's going he's going to get you. It's kind of uh, it's showing a shot to Jimmy and he's just kind of he's not who he used to be anymore. Like that situation changed him completely. Sal knocks on the door, says, eh, Joe told me to give this to Jimmy. Jimmy opens it and it's a note that says no angels. And at this part, I just wrote, and a red thing. <laughs> uh, Joe, it's a red hair clip. 
Which, Joe, which uh, earlier on was an important scene you didn't write down. He says, look, look for the red, red, red clip. Look for the red clip. I'm going to stab you. It's called a barrette. Fuck, we were both wrong. <laughs> it's He did say uh, Martha was last seen with a red barrette. Look for a red barrette in there. I'm pretty sure it's Rhonda. I, I promise you it's Martha. Rhonda's not a typical young white lady. They had missing posters with Hold Martha. Up. Uh, <laughs> it is Rhonda. Rhonda <laughs> Rathbun. Uh, Joe is seen burning all Albert's shit. Um, now we have the flashback, Michael, of uh, the coroner going, uh, and pulls out a bullet and goes, I'm going to say it was from stab wounds. Albert almost keeps a box, but he ends up changing his mind and throwing it that in the trash again. And then I said, oh, the red thing is a hairpin. I'm done now. I want to say something about the ending because you guys didn't know Barrett. So, <laughs> yeah, so Jim wanted to know for sure that, uh, what's his name? Albert was the killer. So he was like, please tell me that Red Barrett was in there. And then at the end, when Joe burns the rest of the Barrettes, it's like, oh, fuck. Albert wasn't him. Yeah, like Albert at, at the very least had nothing to do with Martha. Or Rhonda. Yeah, Rhonda, whatever. Yeah, Rhonda. <laughs> Fuck you, it's Martha. It's Rhonda. Why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, just because it wasn't in that thing with all the newspaper clippings doesn't mean that Albert didn't do it. I still think he's... But, a... yeah, the tan car. The fact that the witness said he was wearing a hat and glasses... Yeah, but if you look at the killer now, I did like they gave they gave um, Albert the same boots that the killer was wearing in the very beginning. Yeah, but at the same time, the killer didn't have that beer gut, and he didn't have that weird walk, and that lady he, couldn't identify his picture. Right. So I still say Albert is completely innocent. And he's just a really weird guy. I don't think he's completely innocent. But he's obviously not completely innocent. Either yeah, I, way, it's illegal what he's doing. Well, uh, I, think, I, I think he's completely innocent from the murders. I don't. I think he did the murders. I think he did the murders and he got away with it. And I think he wanted to, like, he wanted Jim to kill him. Well, not necessarily kill him. He wanted Jim to attack him so that Jim would go away and the cops would completely get off of his ass. Because after that, it'd be like, I'm being harassed by the department. Jim is gone. Joe is gone. Like, all of the heat would be off of him because they have no evidence and these guys just went after him. But this is also like a cautionary tale of assumptions. And just because a guy looks weird doesn't and acts weird and is an asshole doesn't necessarily mean he is a murderer or whatever, which is what these cops... They, I, I think I think he enjoyed the heat and the cops being on him. It's mm -hmm. he he loved it. I don't think he would would have wanted that to stop. I he think he was trying faint. to. Sh 
I think he was trying to show Jim that he's smarter than he is. Just well, yeah, by that's, dig all of those holes. And that's he, what most was, serial killers do. They like he was honest with him, I think, when he said, I've never killed anyone. He's just I, trying to take the rap because earlier in the movie, they said that he like falsely claimed that he yeah. was the killer of somebody, but he wasn't. He's just doing he was, it again in the, on a deeper, deeper level, I think. I also think he was trying to push... Uh, Jim as far as he could go to see what he would do. Would he make Jim a killer by killing him? Because I, I think he's that crazy. I think Leto is a killer and I think because most serial killers like to toy with the cops because they think they're smarter than everybody, which is exactly what Leto was. And, I think and he was toying with Jim at the end saying like he was just toying with the cops the whole time. And he was fucking with Jim saying like you're nothing, you're nothing because he wanted to be attacked. Like, I really think this all played into it. And the whole false confession thing, that also could have been the cops being outsmarted by him. I think that's the genius of the writing. Because if you think about it, the writer, how many times did he set up where you thought Jim was the killer? Like, those little scenes where he's like... Literally one time. I thought it for five I, seconds and that really? was it. Really? Yeah. The, the entire movie, I was thinking Jim was the killer because they kept showing the blue car which at one point the killer was driving a blue car. I just can't remember when. They also showed him when he said the little, he was talking about the little things, and then it looked like Jim was like, shit, the little things. There were just many times in the movie where he wrote Jim to make it seem like Jim might have been the killer, but at the same time, like you said, Mac, it's very obvious that that could have been it, and it was just too blatantly obvious. And I think he wrote it everything to be too blatantly obvious, so that way... We're doing what we what he wants us to do right now. We're arguing about was Albert the killer? Because I, I think, think the only like killers in this movie are Denzel and Rami. I agree. I think yeah. I would argue that because why would anyone fuck with the cops to the extent that Leto did? Well, and I'm I, sorry, but fame, the highway exit thing, the highway exit known. thing, I don't care how big of a crime buff you are, you're not going to know that shit. No, this that's true. very specific exit, the no, exact mile marker. That. If you know, dig because deep there's enough so into much, the no, files and investigations, no. absolutely. This is back in the 90s. This is back in the 90s before the internet, before any crime buff could just surf the web and look for information. The only press that came out was what the cops gave the press. So he only had newspaper clippings and what the TV told him. I so no, that's... I don't think he would have been able to like go on. He couldn't have. That's information that only. Well, you gotta know no. he and he, he went has there. Police he went scanners. there. I don't know. He went there. Yeah, yeah. but the scanners yeah. wouldn't really say. Oh, he was driving up against the car. But I think he did write the story that way for us to think he was the killer. I just think a lot of this has to go down to the brilliance of of the writer director of this movie as i think he wrote things a certain way for uh, for people to question even if this it doesn't make sense cat. huh this is schrodinger's cat he's both the killer and not the killer at the same time what that's, i love about that's this movie how it was left i love the movie yeah. is not about murder and killing like i love the fact that they did not show one single murder take place with yeah. the exception of the end but even that That's was like true. not over the top violent. It's all about assumptions and the lengths that people will go to prove that they are right, that their thoughts are right. There was a few things I had issues with. I don't like the fact that the one girl is missing forever now. I love that. But I love the ending. I just now I love the ending, but 
I just didn't like that fact. But also, did anybody else have any issues with the editing? Like, you've noticed people teleporting? I didn't know. Really? That bothered the fuck out of me. Especially when, right before the little things, the first time he says it, if you notice, and I I don't know why I caught this, but Jim's leaving the car, and he shuts the door, and then it cuts back to um, fucking Deacon talking, and then the door's open again, he shuts the door, and then there's other scenes where, like, so the scene was, it was a, I want to say it was a medium shot of the apartment manager walking out of the door so she opened the door and immediately cut to a long shot and the door was already shut so she teleported through the door oh okay so there was no cutaway right that's what i mean by Mm. the choppy editing which was the same thing in the car with the little things things you know it was that he teleported through the car door that's what i I mean i didn't notice watch it again and you'll start to see people teleporting and and i don't know if it's the problem the the issue with the editor or if he just didn't have enough like footage or what, but people kept teleporting, and it and there was also some kind of weird cuts in the movie that were just kind of taking me out of there it. Was, there was only one that I noticed, and I was like, oh, that was fucking weird, was Rami was talking to Deacon, and they were both sitting down, and he was talking to Denzel, looking yeah, this way. I know what you're talking about. And like in the same sentence, it goes from him like looking straight forward, the sentence continues, and then it's just, bah, he's here. Well, like, there, there was... Over. There was also one scene where he was talking, but he wasn't talking. Like, his lips didn't move, but he was still talking. And it was a very quick second. You wouldn't really be able to notice it unless you were, like, just looking for it, which I wasn't looking for. I mean, that happens all the time in movies because they use the audio for the close-up and then try to sync it up to the line. I never notice it, but this movie, I don't know why I I notice it it. all the time. Yeah, I never, I try to never notice it. Especially when they have the shot from behind over the shoulder and you can see the person's jaw moving. Like, that one no, they I'm never not it was up. that. I'm just saying, like, I see all the time in wide shots. Yeah, it's I, not well, I noticed the over the shoulder. <laughs> it makes me laugh. But yeah. I wasn't watching this to notice the mistakes because I was so engrossed into the film. And maybe because I was so engrossed in the story, I was noticing when things would take me out of it. But, like, the teleportation thing was really bugging me. Like, this movie, I want to say I loved it, but the editing, I like it. The story and the acting, I love. The editing, and props to the uh, the sound guy. Props oh, to the cinematographers. Mm-hmm. A lot of those shots uh, grabbed my attention. There was like maybe one or two scenes with Foley work that it also took me out, but it wasn't enough for me to notice it. See, I was watching this movie just completely engrossed with the acting more than anything. Because when I watch a movie that I know has three Academy Award winning actors, I'm going to be like, I want to see how they flex their muscle. So all of that shit, I guess, just completely went past me because I was like, okay, let's see how what the next scene will bring. Maybe that's yeah. maybe that's why I noticed it, because it's three huge, successful actors. And I was expecting this movie to be fucking perfect. And then I started noticing little <laughs> the little things that were bugging me. Um, but like I said, I mean, everything else about this movie was fucking awesome, minus two moments of Foley work, and the editing was choppy as fuck. But other than that, I really... Well, I wouldn't say it's choppy it, as fuck if you can only think of, like, two or three examples. I, those are the three biggest examples, but there were a lot of times in this movie where I kept... Like, Wonder Woman was choppy as fuck. Yeah, it was. 
I'm going to be honest. That movie was so fucking boring. I barely paid attention. That's why I'm that saying movie, this movie that's was why that. I noticed it in that movie because I was like that movie. People were fucking teleporting. But everywhere. this movie's that good that I was noticing shit on bad movies. And I watch. I mean, I watch a lot of bad movies. I'm a big horror guy, as you guys know. So I watch a lot of shitty movies. And it's the really good movies that I notice the editing and camera work. And maybe it's just because they suck me in. But yeah, the shitty movies like Wonder Woman 84, I'm going to be honest, there's half the movie I was on my phone because that shit bored the fuck out I of think, me. I think you notice in good movies because when you're bored, you immediately pick up your phone and look at it. Yeah. And this movie, was, I mean, I couldn't take my eyes off, off of this movie. I, I kept seeing you guys texting the group. And my light kept lighting up, so I did what I do during Mando, and I flipped it and threw it across the table. I was like, ah. After my after my notes were done, I was like, I'm no longer on my phone. Like, after the movie ended, I gave it a six just because I didn't like the editing. But I'm gonna rate Damn. it. I'm gonna rate it a little higher. But the editing, I, well, okay, because Mac knows I didn't like the ending at at the when I first finished it because I wrote a different story in my head. So I had a different idea throughout the whole movie, and when it didn't happen, I was disappointed. So I rated it unfairly, and after thinking about it for a day, and now listening to our us talk about it, it was a whole lot better than what so I. So what's your new rating? I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight. Because well, I said. Asked I said, you "What did you think, Mac?" Oh. So I watched this movie without any knowledge whatsoever, other than like the actors that were in it. I had no idea what this movie was about. So I definitely think my perception right away was different than your guys than you guys. Cause like Mike, if I had seen the trailer, I immediately would have tried to like been like, Okay, how's this gonna end? I gotta figure this out. But just letting it happen, like just experiencing it as it happened, I was like, Holy fuck, what is going on? I'm just gonna let it explain it to me. And it was so much more enjoyable, but I would rate it. Mike, you said eight. You would rate it. I'm gonna give it an eight now. Yeah. I think a seven. Wow, I was gonna say seven five. So I split the difference. I really want to rewatch it, and I don't really rewatch a lot of movies anymore unless I. I definitely suggest rewatching it because even just rewatching my section, I was like, oh shit, I'm picking up little things here and there. <laughs> yeah. That I'm like, oh wow, this this really makes the story so much stronger. Oh, in all honesty, though, like most movies, I don't say, oh, I enjoyed the little thing there that made it good. I, the writer, did, he did such a good job writing tiny details to really make you go, wow, I enjoyed that little moment. True. What do you, what do you think, Tyler? I mean, yeah, um, my rating is a seven five. I would say mostly because. Like yeah, there were there were a couple things editing wise that that bothered me, but not, I wouldn't say the movie was choppy as hell like like Mike would. Um, there there were just a couple scenes where I was like it, the the pacing fell off um, in the editing, so that took a little away from me just because I had to think about it. Like it just if you are enjoying a movie and a scene pops up and you're like that fell off and it wasn't supposed to. I mean, it, it it takes a little away. As far as the acting goes, fucking phenomenal. Uh, hands down, I would say the best acting we've had on this podcast so far. Denzel fucking kills it. Yeah, I mean, he always does. <laughs> Leto. 
absolutely owns that character. Mm-hmm. Nobody else could have played any of those characters better than who they picked, I think. And it just came out phenomenal. The story um, keeps you on your toes, even though it's not full of action. Uh, it keeps you in- mentally engaged. And I say a movie that keeps my attention for two hours straight is a good-ass movie. That's good, not a good note because now that I'm thinking about it, I haven't. I mean, with the quarantine and everything, it's watching everything on TV. It's been a while since I've been like so sucked into a movie that I'm like, I don't want to go pee right now because I want to just keep watching this. And that legit happened. I got two things. One, that's wild because while I was watching this movie, I was like, this feels like a movie theater movie. Like I feel like I'm in the fucking theater. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I felt that since i've been in the theater mm-hmm. and that's wild that you guys just said that dude i like and, closed all the blinds and everything right? like i turned on my sound bar <laughs> way up i was I, like this really yeah i liked how the reason i gave it a seven though i just want to say like the acting was phenomenal i liked the story there were some things that i felt didn't need to be in there like the whole scene where he goes and visits his ex-wife i get that it kind of informs you a little more on his character but it never came back into play. It yeah, and Even like his, his having like his, his two daughters, daughters yeah. like it really was just Didn't there as a device safe. to say, yeah, he got divorced and it was because of his job, which had been said a million times before that. Right. So yeah, I don't I know if there was you. more with the wife that was cut, but the only thing I can think of, they kept it to show. I don't know. I don't why know. It doesn't make it. sense because throughout the whole movie, Denzel goes through this range of emotions, and he. He, you know exactly what every character in this movie is feeling, with the exception of Albert, just by their facial expressions. I have a theory. They left it in because it would it put it over two hours. That scene would take it over two hours. Why does that matter? Some studios actually demand a certain runtime. The only thing I could think of was to show that line, like, yeah, you know me, when he, and yeah. she's like, yeah, I do know you, but even that... The scene where Rami goes in and catches him, like just staring at the photos on the wall, drinking in the dark, shows the emotional toll that shit took on him way more than that scene with his ex-wife did. It could have been just to like appeal to the actual wives of or of, of people who are who have spouses that do that shit. And but then like, Jimmy's wife. Same thing. That's probably why they showed her moments. But where she, she actually like, had like a reason to be there. I didn't talk about this in my scene, but I wanted to. But the the two coroners were making jokes about the dead body. And I know like some people would find that as cold and heartless. But if you see enough bad shit, you make jokes about it. To If it's I mean, your everyday life, you're going to make jokes about it. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to. So mm-hmm. if, if like that scene offended you, you have not been en- around yeah. a- enough dead bodies. If that scene that's offended dude, you, consider yourself lucky. Here is... Honestly, straight here, up. Here's an example I can give that might help most people who weren't in the army or, or didn't have to go through shit. So when I used to be a firefighter, a lot of people I noticed, and I've heard this come from a lot of people, like they'll hear firefighters be just walking around. They'll be like, fuck, man, we haven't gotten a call in like forever. I just want like a car accident. I want like a vehicle flipped over. I want someone trapped in a burning building. I need something. And people will be like, oh my God, how could you wish that? When you're, when you're in a 
first responder position, like you, you sometimes want action or you make jokes about the action because it's a way of coping. So like, I think I had this better in my head, but Mike, I'm going to stop you because it's something you can't explain. Like you started talking about the firefighters talking about, Oh, I just want a car accident or anything. And that made me think of deployment where people are like, Oh, I just want to get in the shit and, you know, go outside the wire. And it's something you can't really explain why you would want to do that or experience that. But fuck, it's like, (laughs) it's like now, once you've experienced it, once your eyes have been opened to that kind of shit, instead of just thinking about it and sitting with it, you want to, in a weird way, like face it again to beat it, I think. Maybe? I don't know. There's like this weird, it, I don't know, man. Better than how I could have explained it. Because I don't know. Hopefully that I got back from sense. Afghanistan. And the more all action you have, back. the less you have to think. Let's yeah. just boil it down to that. Like, Hopefully that makes sense, listeners, from what we're trying to explain. The more action you have, the less you have to think about the action that you have. As long as you stay in that action, you don't have to think about it. Because you're like procedural instead of like emotional. Like right. going through the motions of what I have to do rather than, oh, what did I do wrong? Or what could I have done better? Exactly. So after all this, I, I, I think we all would highly recommend this movie. I know... I would so recommend this movie. Like, for Warner Bros. to push out this second movie after (laughs) Dud, Wonder Woman 84. Like, Wonder Woman 84 was garbage, and I take back my recommendation of watching it, even if you're not, even if, you know, no. Matt got ghosts. I just had a ghost go through my body. I still got (laughs) chills, dude. So cold. Dude, it's standing up, man. Honestly, to me... This should be a box office movie. I know it probably won't end up being that big of a hit in my in my personal opinion, mostly because it is released on HBO Max. It's and and you have to be a certain type of person to enjoy these type of psychological thrillers. Not everybody enjoys them. I guarantee you a lot of the reviews are gonna say, Well, this movie's really slow and you never find anything else is going to be a lot of the reviews um so i it should be in my opinion box office worthy uh a mac would, would i mean obviously we know what mac would recommend but you might as well put it in there going into this movie with no expectations whatsoever yeah i mean as hard as that is to say or do but this movie is really fucking heavy and good it needs to be seen and i agree with tyler if this was like if the world was normal this definitely deserves to be uh, a box office hit, but I know it wouldn't be. Well, it might be because it's got big names in it. Yeah, but a lot there are big names that don't get any money. I mean, Tyler's right. I mean, even with you could say Academy Award winner Denzel Washington, Academy Award, you know, it it don't matter if people aren't yeah. interested in it. We've seen movies like I mean, the best movies have bombed. I mean, fuck Scott Pilgrim, fucking bomb, dude. Mm. Edgar Wright, all of Edgar Wright's movies fucking fantastic haven't even broken 200 million in the box office people are dumb you know no it's these superhero movies that's why a lot of directors have issues with the superhero movies no i think people don't everything i don't think people like edgar edgar wright's movies because they don't get his comedy people like american comedy where it's just a talking head and they're just talking back and forth and then oh it's 
uh, over the top, ridiculous, and like they're saying some fucked up shit. So it's funny, ha ha ha. But Edgar Wright's like, yeah, I can make the frame itself funny. Mm-hmm. And I also said what I said, Tyler. You cannot put any box office bombs completely on the back of superheroes. I said what I said, bitch. Just because people enjoy superhero movies, like make something people enjoy more. That's not. It's not superhero. I said what fault. I said. Yeah, I kind of agree with Tyler here. I think. I just superhero like- movies. You got Marvel and DC movies, and then you got everything else, and. Everybody wants the big explosion CGI bullshit. Everybody wants that I'm super powerful, look what I can do kind of a thing. No, I agree. I I think people wouldn't have liked this movie because it's based in reality and the fact Mm. that it doesn't answer any questions. Like in life, you don't get all the answers. It's too realistic, which is why I didn't like the ending at first because I watch a movie to escape reality. I don't watch a movie to be like, fuck, it's reality. Okay, so clearly, listeners, just... Please watch this movie if you have HBO Max. Take take advantage of being able to see a theater-quality movie not in the theater. And if you have Dolby surround sound, you best be turning that Man, shit on with the, the lights off, was dude. nice. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, enjoy it. This is a theater-quality movie. Okay. That Pepper being yourself. said, yeah, take a nice treat hot yourself. Before. I also God like how they... This movie let moments resonate. Like, it didn't just have a line and then a quick reaction. Like, there was that scene when Denzel first got into that hotel room and he's just, like, looking out the window and it really just holds on him. And I was like, actually, my thought was, I would never, I would be a shitty director in that situation because I'm always like, okay, we got the shot, let's move on. But the fact that he just, like, let that shot play out, that scene play out, and he was just sitting that, there for so that's long. That's exactly how I felt when Denzel was following Leto's character. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of showing both of them thinking about the case. And, like, after the scene was over, I was like, damn, that was a long-ass scene. But during the scene, I wasn't thinking, like, okay, can we move on? Yeah. Like, I was, I was enjoying it. Yeah. Know? It was really All interesting. Right. To finish this off, let me just add in the director, John John Lee Hancock. If if we don't watch, get you to to want to watch this movie, and neither does the three Academy Award winning A list. The actors, Alamo, The Blind Side. Yes, he's done The Rookie, The Alamo, The Blind Side, Saving Mr. Banks, The Founder, The Highwayman. These are big movies. The Highwayman, big movie for Netflix. Hello. The Founder, fantastic. Movie. Speaking of The Founder. Jared Leto. One of the main reasons he agreed to talk to the director was because he is a huge fan of the founder. No because shit. Jared Leto did not want to ever do a villain role is ever this again. Movie on any streaming services? The founder used to be on it Netflix. It was on Netflix. But yeah, I, I do want to bring up the interview I read with Jared Leto because I looked yep. up. Um, actually, I googled why did his nose look so different. I wanted to see if there was a reason that. The movie chose to make him look that way or if it was like his personal choice and basically the interview told me that one after his experience playing the joker he really never wanted to play a villain again because obvious reasons um the studio fucking did him dirty there i really believe they did so okay, in talking I did with see the founder i'm sorry you're good in talking with the director leto was like if i do this role i want to you know basically 
do what I want. And the director was cool with that, with like talking about how they did the characters. So I can't remember the exact amount of time, but I think he said like they spent four months developing the walk and the voice and the look and the fact that he has uh, like black contact lenses. He has different colored eyes, the nose thing. In the interview, he said, yeah, people didn't even realize that it wasn't my nose. I was like, dude, that's the first fucking thing I noticed. I, I didn't notice it. I noticed his walk right away. I loved the uniqueness of his walk, but I didn't bother to notice his nose. His nose is like the bridge is bigger, and then is they it? like really did uh, some shit under his eyes to make him look super. And but just the fact that like I don't know, man. And he also said that a lot of the stuff he did because the director was so open to letting him explore that character. A lot of the sarcastic humor was made up by him on the spot because he wanted to add that level to the character. Of just, he's not just creepy; he's like an asshole. Mm-hmm. And he said he loved playing off of Denzel. Like he said, working with Denzel has always been a dream of his, and be able to like play off of him and Rami. And he said that Rami is the most patient person he's ever worked with because he would be fucking with him in the scene, and Rami was just like cool with it. I mean, that just shows the level um. of professional. When you can like be in a scene when someone is just treating you like shit and being an asshole to you, because I don't have much acting experience, but the some I little bit I do. When you're in that moment and someone's like talking down to you, it's like I know you're just acting, but still. Welcome to Mike's IMDb Rotten Tomatoes Corner. The rules for the IMDb Rotten Tomatoes Corner is two points for a spot-on guess, one point if you're the closest, zero points. If you're most likely Tyler. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. <laughs> IMDb rule, 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 rule. And uh, same thing for Rotten Tomatoes. They're going to guess the critic and audience score at Fresh Rotten or Certified Fresh and the percent. Two points for spot on guess. One point if you're the closest. Zero, obviously, if you get it wrong. wrong All right. Wrong, wrong. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, boys. So this week's corner is going to be kind of short. Um, because this movie got released Friday and we're recording Saturday the following day, there are no box office results, um, and there is no budget. They haven't released the budget yet, which is frustrating, um, because I really like to know how much it was, how much it was. frustrating. 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 All right. Frustrating. Frustrating. Let's start with IMTV. First, um, and these, <laughs> I just took down these numbers again for one final time about twenty minutes ago, or not nah, ten minutes ago. So IMDb Mac, give me your rating. Oh man, ah, oh, dude, I'm not gonna lie to you. After I watched this movie, one of my first thoughts was, I have no fucking idea what the IMDb is gonna be. <laughs> Because I feel like critic, critics aren't going to like it because they don't like anything that I like. Yeah, but yeah. IMDb's fan-based, not critic-based. 7.2. Okay. Tyler? Mm, 6.8. Oh, dude, six, I was going to say 6.8 if I didn't say 7.2. I'm not even fucking joking. High five, bro. All right. Are you guys ready? I felt the energy. So out of 10, it's rated at a 6.4. So before Friday's release... It was a 7.7. After Friday's release, it dropped to a 6.8, and then a 6.6, and then 6.5 last night, or this morning, and now it's a 6.4. Wow. 
Yeah. All right, Tyler. Critic rating. Is it certified fresh? Fresh, rotten, percentage. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say rotten. I'm going rotten with a 58%. Critics be tough as hell, man. Okay. Go ahead, Mac. Certified fresh, 85. Oh, shit. Wow. Uh, I'm just going the total opposite. Uh, it's rotten at 48%. Woo! So, and you know what? Here, Listeners, I'm going to blow your mind. I got something to say. Listeners, okay. sometimes it's okay not to listen to the critic. Okay? The critic is not all-knowing. Also, get, get this. A, a critic could have different opinions than you. <gasps> oh! And also, a so, critic is literally looking for shit that's wrong with it. They're exactly. there to critique it. <laughs> a lot of the critic reviews was what Tyler said. Uh, it was slowly paced, and they didn't like the ending, which was two of the things that we all figured I, they would. I told you, about. man. And people are predictable, and you're right. People do like action comedy movies more than any other genre of movie. Uh, so when the, when movies steer away from that that fast-paced action make me feel good laughy movie it makes them feel dark and slow and they have to think about a whole opposite side of the brain from the movie they watched last week that made them feel good and then they leave the theater going well that didn't make me feel good that movie sucked and what? movies aren't always about just feeling good. It's just about feeling. Did you feel the movie? I think you... I will say, I will not watch this movie again. Really? Fuck, no. I'm definitely going to watch it again. No. It fucked with me mentally too much. Then I'm going to take... It's going to take like four days yeah. for me to get over this. Yeah, it did put me in a thinking mood earlier this morning, and I just couldn't get out of that mood all day. Um. Okay. So, you guys, Mac, you've been striking out. I'm going to let Tyler go first for this one. Audience Tyler, rating. Fresh. Tyler went first for the last one. Yeah, well, all right. You, <laughs> you go first, Mac. No, I don't know. Dude, I don't I, know I was, what this movie, I was, man. I was, I was curious to see, because you've been striking out. I want Tyler to go first. Tyler, for the audience rating, fresh, rotten, percent. Um... I'm sticking with people love action comedy, and this is like the opposite of that. I'm going to go a little higher because the normal people is better than the critic. I usually agree with the critics more, and I like this movie, so I got to give it a little higher rating. I'm going to I'm going to go fresh 70 percent even. OK. All right, Mac. Rotten 52. All right, so if we were talking about the score from last night, Mac, you would be the closest, um, but it's fresh at 64%. <laughs> which, which, this is the first episode in Nerd Out Movies Podcast <laughs> where Mac didn't get a single fucking point. Dude. Holy How are you shit. supposed to guess on a movie that you love so much, but everybody know, else hates for some reason? Blowing. I literally talked blowing. you through the process. No, so do you guys want to hear what it was literally less, maybe less than 24 hours ago? 
Yeah. Uh, the critic rating was rotten at 49%, which it's rotten at 48% now, so that went down. The audience rating was rotten at 53% less than 24 hours ago. It's now fresh at 64. You know what's funny about that? It's exactly what happened to you, Mike. I bet people were going on rating it oh, like, that yeah. sucked, and then thinking about it for a day and be like, oh shit, that was actually not bad. I gotta go back. You're probably right, man. <laughs> yeah, like, I still liked it, but I had problems with it. But yeah, I'm gonna have to change my Rotten Tomatoes score because I put it at a two and a half stars because of the, the the ending pissed me off. I'm oh my go god. Right dude. Hang on. I told you, dude, I had a totally different movie in my head. And, uh, oh, I gave it three stars, sorry. So, the score of the game goes as follows. Uh, we're tightening the race. Because Mac got none right, Mac still sits at 40, and Tyler's now at 34. Which, I feel like, I really wish we had box office results to see if you could have got more. But yeah, Mac 40, Tyler 34, you're closing in. You're six they, away. This is the closest you've been since Mac was six to zero. <laughs> don't, give the, don't, don't, don't give them that little hint of knowledge. You know, that's from like the first week we did that shit. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> hey, this this is the fourth quarter, baby. This when I play the game. This is. Uh, this is Max Movie Max. So for my movie moment this week, I picked one of the little things that is said. <laughs> um, it's the exchange between Jim's wife and Joe after they meet. Um, she says to him as she's leaving with the daughter, she says, it was nice to meet you. And he responds, thank you. And I love that fucking moment because... His response screams to me that it has been such a long time since anyone was pleased to have known him. This shows the depth. Like, he didn't say, it was nice to meet you, too. He said, thank you. This shows the depth of the character and how lonely this man feels. Tie that into the beginning with the dog where he says, don't look at me like that. You're the one who's been gone for two weeks. And you can really tell this man has burned literally every bridge he's had to that point. Um, he has burned every bridge he had. To the point that when someone gives him a basic common courtesy, he has to thank them for that pleasantry. Denzel took a character that was already very deep and with his perfectionist acting skills was able to reach out and touch an emotional part of my psyche that made me empathize deeply with a man all because of two simple words. Thank you. Another moment was the end when Rami was sitting outside looking at his daughters in the pool and seeing the flashes of the woman that he couldn't find or save. Uh, it shows the depth of his character's emotions with an amazing performance, you really feel how disconnected this man feels after what he did to Albert and the fact that he failed. And that thousand yards, that thousand yards there he was doing was perfect. Dude, your movie moment, the first one, just blew my goddamn mind. Out of all the moments in this fucking movie, that's the last thing I would have picked up on. Yeah, no, I was... Thank you. Honestly, I was taking notes. And the reason that I picked up on it is because the first time I watched it, when he said it, I chuckled to myself. I was like, who the fuck thanks someone? <laughs> they say it was nice to meet you. And then the second time I was taking notes and he said it, and I actually paused the movie and wrote, actually, in my notes, I had to pause. This is what I wrote. I had to pause because of this exchange. Jimmy's wife says, it was nice to meet you, Joe. And Joe says, thank you. Dot, dot, dot. Max movie moment? Yes. 
I told you. I like I was when they're deep. Super pumped. Mm-hmm. I was super pumped about well, that. They're supposed to be deep. I think he does. Yeah, no, what was the best. what was the Max movie moment where he was just like the humor, basically? Oh, it was um It was Christmas oh, vacation. Because yeah. I'm like I'm like, how am I gonna find something deep in this? Like there's no yeah. <laughs> So it was just like well, I just love John Hughes. Uh-huh. What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> I, What's I was your trying name? to think of what word I wanted <laughs> well, to start Well, because he changed his name. I don't know what it is. I did it. I to do it with a beat. <laughs> What's your name? Hi. My name is what? My name is who? My name is... I don't, I don't really know yet. Okay. <laughs> we need to end. We need to end it and then say your name. So when I say "What's your name?", it ends with whatever the fuck your name is. Oh yeah, that's right. Shit, you're changing your name. Mm-hmm. Dark Saber. I'm not. I'm not. He said it was a joke, but I don't know. Dark I, I, was, being, I was being so sarcastic that nobody. What's your name could... now, bitch? They call me Stacy. They call me something else. That's not my name. Is it Fun Facts with Lil? That's Lil'l not Min? my name. Yes. Name. It's Fun Facts with Lur. No. So it's fun facts with Dark Saber slash Lil Mint since he can't figure out what he wants to say. I have told you literally like four times back to back to back, Lil Mint, and you just refuse to fucking listen. And then you keep asking me the same question. Like, and I'm please think through the answer. Okay, thanks, man. Oh my god. <laughs> and that's I'm not going to say Dark Saber start. so you can use it. How about that? <laughs> You know I could get it from the other clip. Did you? I'm the Mike. editor. You, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't. Fuck. <laughs> no one did. You didn't do my bow, bow, oh, yeah, idea. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. Did you not listen to Scott Pilgrim? Comedy action films. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I missed that. I was doing my homework. <laughs> So I must have just out, <laughs> That's so fucking good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun facts with Tizzy T. Obviously, they're... Don't call me Tizzy T, you fuck. <laughs> That's my ex rap name. I don't go by that anymore. <laughs> she goes, fun facts with Tizzy T. Tizzy T. <laughs> and then Mac immediately goes, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the birth of Lil Mint. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Lil Mint. Dark Saber. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to have a lot because this movie came out like fucking yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Fun fact, dig- it came out yesterday. Fucking <laughs> digging through the internet for over a goddamn hour. And I find like three. Oh, that's right, because you can't go on IMDb and get those fun facts. All right. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, Clint Eastwood, and Danny DeVito were all originally attached to direct this at separate points. Danny DeVito? Danny DeVito was attached Shit. to direct. Yeah. Danny DeVito's directed stuff before. He owns a but, production company. 
No, no, no. It's not that. I'm just picturing Danny DeVito in a director's chair calling action and shit. He's like three <laughs> feet tall. He's, he's, he's got sausage he's got... sausage links in his in his pocket. Like just picture action. him on set, like looking up like, okay, you're gonna go over there and you're gonna be all like frustrated. <laughs> Cut, where's my rum ham? Here, I did know. the video. The Voss. He said fucking <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Ah, Who is the second one? Who is the second one? It was Steven Spielberg. Clint Eastwood. He said Steven Spielberg, Clint Eastwood, and fucking Danny DeVito. <laughs> they were all slotted to direct this movie at one point or another. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a totally different movie. Uh, writer and director John Lee Hancock wrote the screenplay nearly 30 years ago. He wrote it in 1993. After completing his work on the Clint Eastwood picture, A Perfect World. So the script of this movie is 27, basically. That's why it takes place in the 90, in 1990. Mm, that makes sense, yeah. Scott Frank told director... I'm blanking on his name. John Lee Hancock. Yep. Yeah. Told director John Lee Hancock that he is an idiot if he doesn't ever end up doing this movie. Which, you know, he would have been because it's, it's a good-ass movie. And the critics are like, you are an idiot for doing this movie. Yeah, fuck the critics, man. Yeah. I agree now. Fuck the critics. What do they even do anymore? Like, does anyone actually fucking listen to them? No. Mm, yeah, I the mean, Academy yeah. Awards do, do, and then people listen to the Academy Awards, but that's it. Um, John Lee Hancock says, while he changed a few things... The script for The Little Things is still 90% of what he wrote back in 1993. And literally, that is all. Okay, I got one. One that I thought is kind of interesting from IMDb. The first Warner Bros. film to feature the new Warner Bros. Pictures logo that will be from 2021 to present. Mm. I didn't notice that right away, but it's true. It is. I'm sorry. Did you say 2021 till present? <laughs> yeah, that's just what it says. So it's going to be 2021 for the near future. For the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's what it says. But said. I just love that phrasing. This week was The Little Things that was picked by the lovely Warner Bros. Movie Studios. We thank you. Tyler, tis your pick, my lord. What is the pick for next? You yeah, didn't pick a movie, did you? It's my pick. I told you, make sure you I, have I got a list. Ready. I have a list, <laughs> but I didn't know it was my pick. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I knew that was going to happen. I have a that's why I have a response to the text. <laughs> I like how you knew you were going to forget at some point in the future. So you're like, I'm just going to go ahead and write down a few right you guys now. I don't understand my memory. It's a real problem. And I wish it was something that I could control, but wish... it's not. I'm going to go with a movie that I haven't seen, but I've been wanting to watch for a while. It's just one of those movies that's like on my list, but I always pass over it because there's something more interesting and intriguing to me so mm, take that with a grain of salt i guess <laughs> i want to watch guns akimbo oh yes amazon i've been wanting to watch that movie and you i'm guys been skipping seen over it? it for the same no. reason so everyone go onto your amazon account i know most of you got amazon watch guns akimbo I haven't seen it yet but i have a feeling none of us will be disappointed and we are just hitting it out of the park with movies I think the only real bad movie we've watched is Wonder Woman 84. So I'm excited to watch it. And that it. wasn't our fault. 
Right. That we was, didn't think that, that was that. not our Tyler's fault. Tyler's face. I wish you guys could see that. Because not only did he lean forward and say that wasn't our fault, but he was like shifty eyed. Like his eyes were like, I swear to God, that was not our fault. I'm sorry, listeners. I know a lot of a lot of you. Some of you only listened to it and a lot of you didn't. So it, like Tyler said, if you're if you're still listening to us and you've gotten this far, it's sixteen episodes in. Just rate us. Give us five stars, man. It really helps the pod. Um, and we love doing this, and we do this not just because we love it, but because, you know, no, that's it. That's why we do it. We love it. Uh, but rate us five stars anyway so other people can enjoy us. Um, and sub to us, which that would be pretty great. Sub to us and follow us on Spotify. It ain't, it ain't fucking hard. All right? Just, just do it. <laughs> No, anyway, you know, join, join our Facebook page or Facebook group. Get involved. Uh, we started a Twitter page, which is new. We have a TikTok. We have an Instagram. You know, you can find all this stuff on our link tree at uh, linktr.ee <laughs> backslash nerd out pod. He said link tur. Yeah, link tur. <laughs> L-I-N-K-T-R.ee. <laughs> you can find all our links there, man. Uh, <laughs> Yo, you can find our shit there, man. man. <laughs> just sounds like the dude just, from that. Just click on show. it, okay? And he, listen, man. Okay. <laughs> Are you the dude? You're the fucking YouTube dude. YouTube page. Hey, man. And like, just follow it, man. Let's nerd out, man. Let's nerd out. This is a Let's good episode. Let's nerd out, man. Let's out, man. Uh, like, oh wait, hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on. Nerd out, movie. <coughs> nerd hey, out. Man. Oh. Nerd, nerd out, out. Didn't kill anybody, and I love you. Don't nerd out. He just leaves all the time. Can I help you? I saw the for sale sign. That was for another car. Got a lot of miles on it. You a, you a salesman? No. How's the trunk space?